Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome back to another episode of We're All a Little Crazy, brought to you by the hashtag Same Here Global Mental Health Movement. I'm your host, Eric Hewson, along with sports business insider Darren Rebell and our buddy NHL great Theo Fleury. Obviously, a lot has happened in the world of mental health this week. Maybe not as direct as some of our other topics that we discuss. In this case, very indirect. But a topic and an incident that literally rocked the world. What happened on last Monday, we're taping right now a week from then, was the collapse on the field of DeMar Hamlin, Monday Night Football. Bills playing in Cincinnati, first quarter of the game. You see DeMar make a tackle, stands up afterwards, appears to adjust his face mask, and we see him fall to the ground immediately. And for those of us who are watching on TV, maybe even some of the stands, uh, some of the fans in the stands, you couldn't really see what was happening with DeMar once he was on his back because the players formed a huddle around him to make sure that there was privacy to the situation. And so much of what's come out from that event has been the physical aspect of what DeMar went through. So much of the coverage has focused on incredibly the acts of courage that we saw and heroism of the folks who were delivering the CPR and resuscitated him and the hospital workers in the ICU unit in Cincinnati. And there's absolute reason for that. And then that's something that should be celebrated and that's something that should be talked about. What is not talked about as much is what we all witnessed around DeMar. And that's not to take away from DeMar the situation he went through and the recovery, the miraculous recovery we're seeing taking place. So Darren, Theo, and I were talking about who would be the best guest for an episode on this. And member of the Alliance, number one, so a good friend of ours. But number two, someone who's a Super Bowl champ, so has played in his fair share of NFL games. Uh, college football, uh, Hall of Famer, uh, the inventor of the Joe Moore Award for best uh, offensive line in college football. He's a college football analyst himself for CBS. Uh, I'm talking about Aaron Taylor. So, Aaron, pleasure to have you on. Thank you for joining us for this important conversation, buddy. Well, I always like coming on with a couple knucklehead crazy guys to talk about things that matter. So it's uh, it's good to be on. It, it's also good to, to see the recovery that DeMar Hamlin has had. It was really touch and go there for a while. And I think all of us we're sitting there holding our breath. So now that he's regained consciousness and I have some friends on the bills and they said the first thing that he asked when he came to consciousness was, did they win the game? So when you're back to making the game the most important thing, especially when you've gone through what you've just gone through, having at a cardiac event on the field, I think it allows each of us to take a little bit of a deep breath, but that certainly wasn't the case in the aftermath of what was historic and unprecedented in the sport of football. When you talk about it as historic and unprecedented, and, and Darren, I'm going to ask you to be a little bit of the historian here. When we think about some of the gruesome injuries we've seen, whether they're in the NFL, I can think of some in the NBA and college basketball. I think, Aaron, what made this event, when you talk about um, his collapse, it, what made this event so unique and so different is we've seen gruesome injuries We've not been through shock and awe of the possibility of a loss of life just in front of us like that, what felt like at the drop of a hat. I mean, you saw him playing, you saw him making a tackle, and then you saw him 
that it, was that it, that's what was so incredibly different and darren i i think it's important you know i i can i can rattle some off the top of my head but just again you're you're the sports reporter you know starting with a joe theisman and maybe some before then but you know, sure. take us through some of the more common injuries we've seen in professional sports on TV. Well, obviously, in situations like this, we normally see someone who is put on a stretcher and they give you the thumbs up as they're going off. I mean, that's really like that's become the standard, even if there's an initial fear, even if there's players praying. There's often not you don't see the guy down on the ground. They're not showing them on the ground. And then he leaves without you seeing the thumbs up. So that's that that was something that was different. We've also had gruesome physical injuries where we've seen or they won't show it again, but they show it one time. And Kevin Ware's actual bone going through his leg uh, in an NCAA game uh, from Louisville. Uh, obviously, the Joe Theismann injury. The, the, Kev, the Kevin Ware one, which where I, I think there's a little similarity here, happened right in front of the Louisville bench in front yes, of his yeah, team. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, but there's only one player who died, who was taken off the field and died during a game, a guy named Chuck Hughes of the Lions in 1971. So, uh, you know, that that was, you know, that that's what's been out there. Um, I what what's what's interesting, and there's still a fight over whether the NFL or anyone in the NFL told Joe Buck they could have five minutes to warm up. Right. Which which would. Just I I I tweeted right away. If anyone is found out to have said that, they they do not have a job. Um, but it was interesting to consider uh, the mental versus physical. Can they physically play versus can they mentally play? And of course, they could have physically played again, right? They could have got on the field and physically played. And it I I believe now the NFL says Troy Vincent says that uh, that it was clear very early on that they weren't playing. But they certainly didn't care about the communication because it took an hour to say they were in play. Over an hour. Over an hour. And 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 so you have to wonder if part of that is that mental health is not at the forefront. If mental health was more of a concern because they physically could play, right? If mental health was more of a concern or obviously you couldn't have um, – uh, DeMar die and then still play, right? Was that the concern or whatever? It's just really interesting. To, that's interesting to me how much the mental, and by the way, in the statement, uh, in the first statement out, the NFL did say that they were uh, going to help with the mental health counseling. Well, well, hold on. Wait, wait, before we go into communication, when you say communication, the communication that you're talking about- and To I think ESPN. Can, to right, ESPN. To ESPN yeah. and- was really a communication that went out to the teams, not publicly, yes. right? It was it was sent to the teams. It was not the public address because we're going to get into Goodell's public address. But in having Aaron on, I think what what is unique, Aaron, you know, Darren mentioned. I just say one thing, Eric, that I that I want to get into it. I think the one thing I do want to say is that it's very clear that it broke through in terms of my kids knowing about it. It was the conversation at lunchtime. This was the 9-11 so far. I don't mean to diminish 9-11. In terms of eyeballs, this was the big sports event that everyone heard about, whatever your age group was. I've been in school since every age category, every kid, every teacher, doesn't matter the age, has heard about what's gone on and has watched what's gone on. Um, but and but, in 9 11, and and when you bring up 9 11, I have the similarity in that never before have I been told not to do anything for 24 hours, the only time was after 9 11. So there is some simile there for, but but it was just amazing to me how in the past couple months we had past month Twitch, which broke through to my children, and this, which broke through to my children. And so it's interesting that we always think that uh, there is a um, there's so many things going on that the news reporters can't even synthesize anything. And now these two things broke through. Well, look, we started the season talking about the fact that the threat of mental health from one story to the next is not being connected. I think we can we can discuss this in a vacuum here with this particular case, even by itself, even without you connecting it to Twitch. 
And and the reason why I wanted to go to Aaron here is so so Darren gave a couple examples of major injuries that have happened on the field. A couple others that come to mind for me are Sean Livingston. If you remember, it looked like his knee was almost swallowed by the basketball court early on in his career playing in the NBA. If you remember Willis McGahee and that move that he made in the national championship game, obviously Joe Theismann comes to mind in the tackle and calling the medics on the field right when his bone broke the way that it did. Bones, plural. Aaron, as a player, do you remember the most gruesome injury you witnessed, whether it was college or, or and maybe it was before, maybe it was in high school, but do you rem- does it play through your mind the most gruesome injury you've ever seen? Well, I think uh, Theismann's leg uh, crumpling in, in a couple different directions. Napoleon well, you weren't on, you on the field for that, though, Aaron. I'm talking about no. like, you being on the field. And I think that's that's what's so unique here. And and I want to clarify the historic and unprecedented because we have seen players collapse on the floor. And Hank Gathers obviously was you yeah. know a very notable basketball player. Um, Gary Kubiak going into halftime collapsed on the field in 2013. So those things had happened. But what we've never seen before is a player make a tackle, get up, fall over. And the optics of it were playing the game of football is what caused the cardiac event. That is a completely different set of realities and expectations that you just never consider as a player. And I think why it was so impactful is because it pierced the veil of invincibility that we're somehow special, that we're invincible, that we're unique. And we all are until the moment we're not. Never, ever in my career on any level did I ever think that I could go out onto the field, play football, and die. Yes. Ruptured patella tendons? All the time. Fractured or dislocated this? Every week. That happens. Oh, damn, man. I think he's going to be out for a couple weeks. He's going to be on IR. That sucks. All right, come on. Let's finish his drive. It's a whole different class. And I think we saw that in the emotion, in the aftermath. And I knew it was serious right away. I saw the hit to the chest. I saw the the stand up, and then boom, the tip back. It read and 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 smelled, if you will, of a cardiac event right out of the gate. Then on the broadcast, the way that they sucked back and went really wide, the shots where they cut to the player's face, and you saw the emotion and the tears. We don't see those visuals. Yep. We don't see those things on a normal basis. So you're watching. CPR be administered on the football field. If you've ever seen that, it's not like it is on TV. It's not subtle. It's violent and it's intense. And I want to give a huge credit to the people that responded and the athletic training staff that were there that administered CPR because they saved his life. But to be on the field and watch a teammate, a colleague, an opponent basically in cardiac arrest on the field and having to be resuscitated. Those are just things that we haven't seen or ever even thought about. And it's from that standpoint that what goes through our heads as players is damn, if that happened to him, could that happen to me? And that's the trauma that very quickly was clear that everybody that was in eye shot had witnessed that had been through something very, very intense. And, and you're, explanation of that as as we bring theo into the conversation we also have a great guest with us who's joined us many times dr john rosa is there's that line darren talked about some of the past injuries we've seen theo in his career has seen many gruesome injuries you're talking about the patella tendons theo's seen slap shots to the face himself he's seen um some pretty gruesome uh broken bones you think about the Clint Malarchuk thing. We've not seen in that type of way, like you describe, Aaron, like this line between someone could be really injured be, and then someone could take a hit and literally die. And wow, the medics are coming on to literally save that person's life. There was a player in hockey recently, and I'm gonna I'm gonna botch his last name's pronunciation. Theo, I think it was. Bo Meister, Bo Meister, Jay Bo Meister from, from Dallas. Um, and it happened on the bench, Aaron, right? So so it wasn't happening on the playing surface, and, and but, but you saw the players around him. And I think the word that you used, Aaron, and the reason why we're here, and Theo has been talking about this word to me for five years because he said it's the word that's 
not understood by society and needs to get normalized more is this word called trauma. And what we're, we're going to do in a lot of this episode today is we're going to talk about trauma through the lens of the different people who saw it. Aaron just gave you a very good depiction of what it might have felt like for being a colleague, teammate, opponent, etc. I want to bring Dr. John in quickly. There's many different definitions for what trauma is. If you had to synthesize for everyone out there, not in the context specifically of this case, but what is trauma itself? Some people go, is trauma the event? Is trauma what happens in your body? How do we help parcel this out for everyone to understand what trauma is? Yeah, well, thanks for, first of all, thanks for having me on. You guys, I, I mean, you know, I follow it because I'm part of the organization, but these episodes have been phenomenal as usual. So hats off to you all for continuing to do the good work and good to see you all again, my friends. Um, you know, trauma is a big word and trauma, everybody thinks injury. Trauma, everybody thinks about what happened on the field that day. Exactly. You know, that, but trauma has many faces. I mean, trauma is a neurological pattern, not just a physical pattern. So you could have childhood issues. We call them ACEs. And that's adolescent childhood experiences, which are not very good. And the brain doesn't have a delete button. So when we experience a trauma, it'll fly in, stick around and stay there and have health repercussions as we move along. And the biggest ones are when there's the loudest feel of a breakdown in community. And that could be your community in your home and you witness abuse, either yourself have had it or you see it happening, divorce, breakups. I mean, we can go down the list of what time and trauma looks like. This in particular, as a trauma, as an event that we saw, we witnessed as a community, you were right. You said it earlier about 9-11. You don't want to make comparisons of such destruction to an injury on a football field, but it was well done, Eric, because it wasn't that widespread of a vision of what took place. There's two things, I think, what happened when you look at trauma and its relationship. You saw somebody go down. That in itself is traumatic. But what really deep seeds in the brain is the reaction of everything else. And that unraveled in a way where people's brains, and I'm not talking about just the players, the coaches, the treatment staff, the people in the stands, the witnesses that were, were calling the game, who were on television, the shock and awe that then reflects to the people watching on television. This is, a, this is all getting neurologically registered in a community, which is called the, our country, the United States, and probably globally at certain points let alone what happens with social media. So that, and then the tears, like trauma gets set in a way where it may have just been happenstance and it doesn't register as strong, but it's still there. But the more emotion and community involvement around an event will seed that, that thing into your brain or your memory and cause reactions as you move forward. And when you see someone in tears, someone on the ground, that knowing CPR is doing, and Aaron, spot on, it is brutal. I mean, it is very unrare where you don't have multiple fractured ribs and the people are going, you know, it, it's a difficult thing to, to, if you know it, it's a difficult thing to understand. And if you see it, it's a difficult thing to, to, to view. And tears out of players' views. Look, we had commentators on national television, on ESPN, praying, asking everyone that was sitting in this and live and saying, can we just pray? When have you seen that happen? And that's not about whether you believe in prayer or not. It, it's what, what happens in a traumatic event where the brain goes into a whole different mode of registration and saying, oh my goodness, like what just happened? What do we do? So when you say the brain goes into a whole different mode of registration, the reason why I brought up the 9-11 analogy, and it's not to diminish losing 3,000 Americans, I did not mean that in that way for anyone who right. thought, is I watched 9-11 happen outside my window, and I the way that Aaron described, we've not seen that on a football field before, was how when I'm looking at the Twin Towers and I go, I've not seen a plane fly into a building before, and I watched it in front of me. Then the towers came down, and I go, I've never seen a building let alone the tallest buildings in the city, collapse like that before, right? 
And so, Theo, when we talk about trauma, like a lot of times the way that Dr. Rosa just described it, we hear the simplicity for the rest of us who aren't doctors is it's an, it's when an event happens and our body copes in a way or, or attempts to try to process in a way where it overwhelms our ability to cope in that moment. Like, okay, our parents yell at us, we're mad at, they're mad at something, we feel bad, it's, it's a negative feeling, but we can cope with that. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. When we see something that's unworldly to us, we're like, that can't happen. That overwhelms our ability to cope in that moment. And that's what trauma is. And, and Theo, you've experienced many traumatic events in your life as someone who's been very open about his personal traumas, when you watch that and you you felt the collective trauma in the world, let's say, did it give you flashbacks to your own experiences? Did, were, were the feelings reminiscent of what you've been through before? Well, because I've done a lot of work on myself, I, I was looking more at the reaction of the players. Mm-hmm the trainers, the people in the stands, the commentators, <clears throat> and, and everybody, it, the way I observed it, everybody went into shock, right? The old deer in the headlights look. And if you looked at, because uh, they were showing, uh, <clears throat> who's the quarterback for the Bills? Uh, Allen and, and, and Burroughs. And, yep. Yeah, they both had deer in the headlights looks already that they were already processing in their unconscious memory this event that was happening to them in real time. And when that happens, uh, and I can go back to my own sexual abuse experience because when I uh, was laying on the cot and my abuser approached me, I went into uh, uh, disassociation. And I left the room and I left my body because my brain could not like could not process what was happening. And so, boom, I would have disassociation. So the deer in the headlights is that disassociation, which was happening on the field because it was so traumatic for these players that they just checked out because they had to take care of themselves in that moment. And the only way they could do that was to. No, look, Theo, I mean, it, it's so valuable that you're you're sharing this with us through the lens of a sexual abuse survivor. Aaron's been open about mm-hmm. his own is this concept of disassociation <laughs> is what's happening in the body as this event is taking place, as our ability to cope goes away. So now all of a sudden we go into these phases like disassociation and to describe for people, and John certainly come in and, and clean me up here, but disassociation is a feeling like you're out of body. Like you're almost well, it's, it's actually It's actually a protection. Right. Mm-hmm. Because the event is so traumatic yes. that your brain can't register what's happening. And so it shuts off and then you end up with an out of body experience, right? And, and what Aaron is describing, what he saw in the players and what you just described, Theo, you saw in the quarterbacks, Darren brought up earlier, like, well, they could physically play, but, and I'm going to, I'm going to put a little bit of tweak into that, like with how impactful that was, Darren, I don't even know 
in five minutes, if that was the call, if you're going to be able to line up 11 men and know your assignments. Well, no, 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 I, I, I agree. And I also, a player called me, a player called me and said this, you know how they say during the pro bowl that the pro bowl is dangerous sometimes because people are trying and people aren't that there would be people who could get themselves back in and there'll be people that can't get themselves back in. And at the speed that it runs in professional sports, it would actually be uniquely more dangerous to put them out on the field. Dangerous. And then even the ability to, this is where I want to go to back to Aaron on this is like your mind, you're trained as an athlete and back to Theo, which he's talking about with that. Now the brain's going into protection mode. My mind goes to hello, Simone Biles, everyone who ripped her for quote, quitting on her team. She didn't quit on her team. She was going through traumatic events from what happened with her own sexual abuse that required her to pull out because she was in the same mindset, that trauma running through her body that these players were. Now, people can't understand that because they go, the event didn't happen right in front of her right at that moment. But guess what? Her inability to be able to find the mat on flips, that lack of brain-body connection is what these players are feeling. And Aaron, I mean, as a as a commentator, but then as a fan, what, what I'm curious to get your take on it because my take was I'm watching McDermott and the ref's coming up to him and then Zach Taylor's coming up to McDermott and it seemed like a very, let's call it generous gesture, but, but just the right thing to do from a heartfelt individual is it seemed like Zach Taylor came up to, I'm projecting a little bit here, McDermott and the two of them are like, what do we do here? And, and what's come out since, and, and McDermott had his hand, I'm kind of gesturing it right now, over his mouth so you couldn't read his lips. But McDermott seemed himself like to understand the gravity of the situation and go, I'm not meant to be coaching a team right now. I'm meant to be in the locker room, my guys consoling them, and at the hospital for DeMar. Have you ever seen Aaron on the field like a coach who these guys live for this stuff in this particular game, there were so many ramifications in terms of playoffs for this. Have you ever been in a situation where you've seen a coach go, this is not right for us to be out here right now. We can't be playing. No. And I think that's what made this event so transcendent. <clears throat> We've never seen that. And I was a guy that ruptured both my patella tendons, my first and second year in the NFL. They moved the drill 10 yards and kept practice going. It was a mini camp, no pads, no nothing. That That's what happens orthopedically. And that sucked for me in that moment, especially when they brought Guy McIntyre in, a player that I watched as a San Francisco 49er fan, take my position. That was surreal, but that was personal to me. To them, they just needed another guard to move the drill. So that's the level of experience of the options when we're playing the sport of the risk that we're assuming can take place. But what we saw with DeMar Hamlin was transcendent and the emotion that came from the players immediately, from the coaches immediately, from people watching at home, my six-year-old daughter, daddy, did he die? Were his eyes closed when his head hit the ground? What are they going to do with his body? These were the questions within three or four minutes. So, you know, Darren's talking about this thing pushing through it and, and, you know, breaking through to his kids. My six-year-old was asking questions and those are the things it 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 reminded for me of 9-11, right? It reminded me of the space shuttle blowing up. It reminded me of the OJ chase. Those are things that crystal clear in my mind I had never seen before and were surreal. It, it was a different reality that transcended any experience I had ever had. So for that to take place on the field with a colleague, with a teammate, and then on national TV with two teams that might be in the AFC championship game with the ramifications of the seating that were at stake, we've never seen the amount of visibility that we did with DeMar Hamlin. And for the players that had a front row seat to that, that's the trauma that immediately, the first tweet I sent out was, come on guys, postpone or cancel the game. And rarely, if ever, have we ever seen something become more important than the result of the score in an NFL football game. This is one of the rare occasions. 9-11 was one of those occasions, and there's certainly been others. But for the players that were on that field, and I've talked to lots of folks within both organizations, they were shook, and rightfully so. So 
we're discussing what we saw on the field. We're discussing what trauma when it enters into the body looks like. The deer in headlights look. Theo talked about it. The shock feeling that you have internally. I saw opposing players leaning on each other, consoling one another. Mm-hmm. They're holding hands when they're in the huddle and they're praying around DeMar at the time or even when DeMar's taken off. So that's the the player side of things. And we'll, we'll certainly get back to that. Dr. John, as, as you're thinking about where my mind went to when I saw them put the message on the Jumbotron, this game is temporarily suspended. Back to Aaron's point of his tweet, come on, guys, like let's cancel this. There's, there are things more important than the game. Let's talk about the fans in the stadium for a second because when you're talking about community, I thought we did a big disservice to the fans We'll certainly talk about the fans on TV, but the fans in stadium, like they're rah rah, they're there for a game, they're 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 pre gaming beforehand, tailgating, whatever celebration you want to call it. They're there, they're in their jerseys, and then it's like, bam, this happens. They see it too. Ironically, by the way, for everyone, we haven't seen cell phone videos of people taking cell phones. I'm so happy we haven't from a different angle of the CPR taking place on the field above where the players were huddled around that side note there. But I think, John, we did a disservice to a lot of the fans who were in that stadium because you're locked in that space right there. Like, for those of us who are watching on TV, you can talk to the person to your left and your right and turn the TV off and go, I want I want to get my mind away from this for a second. Yes, I'm so focused on this, but I, I can't be immersed in this. The people who were in the stadium... Is the game going on? Is it not? What's it? Is he right? Is he not? What is the PA announcer going to say something? Do, do you yeah. see, John, how that could have been something that, like, in the moment was just so shaking for the people who were there? No, look, so the degrees of trauma, right? So when you experience something, there's things that solidify that into place. It's like cementing the creases when you're building something. To sit there and not know and not understand. Aaron is is very eloquent in his description of how intense of a situation it was as someone viewing this and, and the feelings that you had for the people that were there to witness. That was no different for those there, except the community piece makes it that much stronger. I mean, look, you go there for camaraderie. You're high-fying people you've never met in your life because it's you're there for that piece of like true mental health protection, right? That's that's your parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous system boxing it out in one shot. You're super excited, but you're you got your peeps around, you're cheering for a team, and then completely take that and cut it out from underneath your system. So you're you're the tr- the check engine light in your car goes on much quicker. And over that period of time where, oh, my God, what happened? You can't imagine what those people would have left like. And there's no choice. Like, you didn't know what to do. Even when you're watching it on TV, it's like there was a lot of time that went by that we that people were just babbling because we're watching an empty field, not knowing what to do and what's going on. And the people in that stadium were the same. They but, were the eye of the storm. I mean, yeah. and I, you know, th- there's a lot of analogies. Some will be on point. Some will be off. Like. I think to back to 9-11, the people who live really close to downtown or right next to the building, but they didn't have to run away, but they're still there looking at it directly versus me who was on 50th Street, which is, I still have a straight shot. It is one of the clearest days I've ever seen. I had a wall window in our office looking at it. But when you're there. No, look, well, Eric, well said, because let's look at what you just said, right? So there's. Watching the event on TV saying, oh, my God, look what's happening and how it's cemented in us. And we keep going back to the 9-11 example because I know everyone who's who was old enough to see it will understand. But how is your experience where you were there in the city versus somebody who was in another state watching it on television versus the person running down the road as a cloud was behind them? And they were there for hours not knowing what's going on, like the level of how that goes into your system is by definition of trauma is you you could slice that up into 10 ways. Those people there that we need to pay attention. Look, this was bad. And the outcome is going to be, which is amazing because this there's like a 20% success rate with this type of 
um, with this type of injury. I mean, when you yeah, get when, when cardiac arrest happens outside Kumat, of the hospital, Comadic cordis, this is something I've been sidelined doc for college. I've been sidelined for high school, college and bowl games. And we are taught you got to watch out for this because it's been around for a bit. But when you get the perfect storm and I watched that hit in slow motion, that shoulder came down. Imagine full force, you're running like a tank and you're going to go to hug somebody and you haven't touched them yet. But now a shoulder who's full force coming out doesn't touch anything except the center of your chest. It is literally the perfect storm. It's what we see with baseball, hockey pucks, mm -hmm. uh, lacrosse balls. They will hit that thing at a perfect spot. And usually about 20% of the time, you could get up and within seconds you drop. That's what happened here. Now that's, I'm not saying that was it. I'm using that term and I don't want people to think that I'm making a diagnosis here because that, that commodi cardis is really, if there's no other cardiac issues involved, that's what you call it by the perfect storm with the hit. We don't know yet what the outcome of any other previous cardiac issues may have been. I don't, I don't know, but this is a, this is what it appears to be, but the shock and awe of the, of the event versus the time that goes by and you see we need to understand it was something bad that took place god thank god he's getting better but now what is the app the aftermath that we talk about is always how is he doing he's getting better and how is he doing and he's getting better and as much as we need to concentrate on him to get better and i love that everybody's got his jersey on and going going bananas over this we really do need to, and I know that this podcast and, uh, and the organization, same here, looks at this every day. And same here means the story. We have a same here story for hundreds of thousands of people, if not millions across the country that can say, I witnessed that and that affected me. So the people in the stands, the people as players and the people who watched, we got to, you know, I think this podcast is probably uniquely set for that. But man, we got to pay attention to the rest of the people as much as do not take the pressure off paying attention for this young man and keep praying for him because he needs it. But we need to now start shifting some of our 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 our, our process towards how do we message out to say, hey, everybody, this happened, but it's normal. And here's what we're going to do about it. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. I think Aaron wanted to chime in on that. Yeah, that's a great point, John. I, I think we have a chance for this to be a seminal moment with the yeah. way that we view trauma and the way that we treat mental health. Everybody was involved with what took place with Damar Hamlin in the moment or in news and highlights and the next day in the sports shows at some point, this touched certainly the greater amount of the United States and to your point, to varying degrees. One of the things that I tweeted out right away that I felt strongly, like viscerally, was like, please do a phoner with a licensed mental health clinician that can help us to understand the uncertainty that we're watching. Help us provide some context, some things that we can do, some questions we can ask uh, or, or, or things we can talk to our children about. Because I was getting by three generations in, in my house, and we were on vacation up in the mountains. Everybody was asking me questions. Everybody was involved to a certain level. So I reached out and I worked for CBS Sports and I sent an email the next morning and said, we have Gene Steratore, who's the best in the business to, to kind of get clarity on what takes place on the football field from an officiating standpoint. Why don't we have somebody on speed dial for these events? We know the last three years we've been in the meat grinder. We know the global tsunami of the mental health crisis that's coming. There's more likelihood that these things will continue to happen than they will decrease. 
And I know how fluky of an event it is, but man, to support the talent and the production crew with somebody that can, in the moment, give some resources to be able to navigate the uncertainty would go an extremely long way to help people start to heal the trauma that they've just experienced, whether or not they've known that they've gone through it or not. So for me, Nickelodeon sent out an internal document. They've got such a thing. What I'm hoping is our network and others will learn from this so that as we move forward, whether it's tragic events in our schools or fluke injuries on the football field or planes flying into buildings, that that will become a part of the protocol and the news cycles to help people to understand what they're witnessing. Because it wasn't, and I'm going to, I'm going to pass it to you. I mean, your, your point is so poignant and you're coming from Aaron, who's an eloquent speaker, although as a friend, I'll give him a hard time about that sometime down the road, but <laughs> he's, he's giving me a smile right now is you're hearing a guy who's a broadcaster saying we need some resources here. And he's using the analogy of Gene Steratore with, Hey, rules analysis. We need someone with health analysis when, the, when these things happen. Okay. And for all the great things that Lisa Salters did and all the other announcers and even Scott Van Pelt, when he came on afterwards and Scott's been through a lot of his own stuff. So, and, for those who don't know Scott, he's the, he's the anchor for SportsCenter. I thought that the announcers did as good a job as you could do without the help of an expert, without any training in this, being empathetic and sympathetic people. But they were ill-equipped with how to deal with this because this was unprecedented. And to Aaron's point, why should we wait for a fluke situation to happen why are we not preparing for this? And dare I say, and I, I don't mean this to point fingers, it's like this is a learning experience where we get better from. And Dr. Rosa, I think some people are worse off today because we weren't prepared as networks, because we weren't prepared as a group of it, of people who are watching this, knowing how to talk about it. And, and I think that's a miss. And I think it's an opportunity to get better. Theo, you were, you were raising your hand to chime in. Yeah. Um, we're always reactive instead of proactive, especially in the mental health space. And, you know, th there's a thing called PTSD, right? And PTSD is preventable in the moment. If you get the right kind of help, you get the right kind of person talking to them. So the guy, you mentioned the guys that were holding hands and praying, those guys are less likely to have PTSD after the event because they actually, you know, shared some oxytocin uh, together during, while the, the, the event was going on on the field, right? But there's probably a lot of people that didn't get what they needed in the moment and are still struggling with the aftermath of what they've witnessed, which... If you don't resolve that, where does it go? It, it's, it layers in your body, right? And it layers in your subconscious memory. And then eventually at some point during your life, it's going to come out, right? So if we can be there at the moment of the highest point of crises, the less likely uh, we're going to have those PTSD episodes because of witnessing the incident. The oxytocin you're describing there, Theo, and, and this is where I want to go to Dr. Rosa with it. And Aaron, you could chime in as having been on the field and and in moments like that. When you feel a band of brothers, I'm just saying that because there was men on the field playing at the time, but brothers, sisters, what have you, that connection helps you a little bit as a guide through that. So the shock to the system that groove that Dr. Rose is talking about doesn't get in there as deep as if you're on your own. And that's Dr. Rose why my mind went to the, the, the fans in the stands. Cause even though you're high five and when things are good, when an event like that is happening, you might be looking at the person to your left and right and being like, what can I say to that? Like, I'm scared of what just happened. What is that person going to judge me if I, I'm going to say that was freaky, but like how deep can I get with someone? And then those of us who are sitting, uh, and, you know, when Aaron's talking about his daughter asking those questions, it's like, 
uh, I don't have a stadium of people around me. So I'm bringing that point up only to be able to say, I think what we do mistakenly, even when we do discuss trauma, is we discuss it through the concept of like, well, we definitively know that the people who were on the field because they were closer to it had a higher level of trauma than the people who... We don't know that. There's no way to compare the levels of trauma. I was trying to give analogies of the 9-11 closer to the building. That just means we experienced it in different ways. But you think about the different subsets of people here, the players on the field, the staff on the field, the fans who are in the stands, the mother of DeMar Hamlin who runs out of the stands and has to go in with the ambulance, the fans who are watching on TV, the broadcasters themselves, right? Like, Aaron, if you were broadcasting that game, I'm sure that would not be a pleasant situation for you. It's so hard to navigate that. And that's why ESPN, in my opinion, kept going to commercial. They were trying to talk to New York, figure out what was going on, they, what the status was. You have to understand when you're on national television, when it's calling ball, you're giving your opinion, right? You're maybe calling a coach out for making a, a knucklehead move or, or making a, a great call, but you don't want to say the wrong thing. So you're scared to say anything. So you you tend to say the least amount possible until you can figure out what's going on because you're a partner with the NFL and you don't want to do anything yes. that could be seen as inflammatory or indicting and so those sort of things. So it's but even so, Aaron, Aaron, uh, it's Darren here. What's what, what even so? It's amazing that a guy like Booger McFarlane would say, as someone who worked at ESPN for 13 years, he got on and said, "Listen, we don't care." Were, he he took into his own hands as the right. I couldn't believe he said it. Right, given all the things that you are told not to say, and you know it's it's ingrained in the culture. I couldn't believe that Booger said, "As a rights holder, we don't care. Let's let's move on. Let's cancel the game." So yes, they did go to break a million times, but there was a little bit of uh, you uh, look cracking in the, the armor. Darren, I watched the game with someone who didn't know Adam Schefter was okay, and. She's looking at him going, that guy is shaking right now. Like, he doesn't even know what he was. He was. He was. He was. You know? And, 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 yeah, there. Yeah. And, and, and Lisa Salters, the emotion in her voice, right? Yes. SVP, Scott Van Pelt, the host that you were talking about for ESPN, universally revered, off camera. You heard his voice crack. It affected people. And we did see things that broke through to your point, Darren. With what Booger said, we also saw Dan Orlovsky, who is a rising star and an extremely talented analyst, prey on TV. When's the last time we saw that? Never, so, never. So that, to me, fellas, is the encouraging thing here. It right. takes sometimes trauma and events like this to galvanize us, to open our eyes to ways of doing things differently, to Theo's point, so that we can mitigate things in the moment. I thought the NFL, compared to some of the things they've done in the past, did a bang-up job with the way that they handled that. Ten years ago, maybe that game keeps going on. 1971 with the Detroit Lions player, it certainly did. And excuse me for not remembering his name off the top of my head. So I believe that there's progress that's being made, and that's how we should view where we go from here. Because the NFL, with concussions, we like think about the visuals that we've seen with Tua Tungavailoa and the, the, the traumatic brain injuries that have taken place. But also think about, and we talked about this cumulative effect of the trauma, what the hell the city of Buffalo's gone through this year? Right. Yep. It's not an isolated event. Buffalo has had as much adversity as you can as a community. And now with the stakes on the game and, you know, the Buffalo, the, the wildness of the crowd and the fans, I mean, it's such a small town. They're there, guys, and boom, everything comes to a stop. So that's the importance of trying to mitigate the cumulative effect of trauma, because what may be the straw that breaks my back may just be the foundation of what may for, you know, five years later for the next person. So that's why having this shared experience, in my opinion, really could be a seminal moment as we move forward as people that watch the game, as people that play the game, as people that cheer for the game, and people that have no idea that football is even a game. Because at the end of the day, we're all human beings, and it was the humanness that I saw transcend the score and the situation of that football game, and that's what has me the most encouraged. That that humanness, I wanna I wanna make sure we spend the last ten minutes this episode focus on that humanness and and Dr. John and I as friends, he he 
when we were just talking, he very poignantly shared that camaraderie that we saw everything from the um, donations and the way that they've increased to the hope circles, the prayer circles. And, and I want John to touch on that before we go, go into that fully into the positive takeaway from this, I want to be critical of media of league and not as a way to slap on the wrist. I want to do it because I think we need to get better and I'm a league office guy. So I feel like of the group of us, I'm, I'm the one who wears that hat. I saw the memo. We talked about it earlier that Goodell sent out to the players and, and, and the teams. And I thought that was great that he referenced that mental health of the players was important. And they, we, there were resources. I wish there were more resources listed. That's fine. I've got friends who are working mental health as the mental health professionals at teams. They told us that there were processes in place. I have to trust that. I sent around to this group, the message that was sent out from Goodell to the fans. And the first line of that message was, essentially this uplifting moment that we now have as a, a member of the, let's call it football watching community uh, that, that DeMar is going to pull through in this and how great it was to see people to come together. But nowhere in that public message was a mention of what we just lived through together, maybe by design because he didn't want there to be any negative coming into a positive message, but also maybe because it's not top of mind. Same thing with media, Darren, like, there were how many hundreds of articles written about how uplifting it is that this, the, the, the athletic trainer was so great at administering CPR and that the hospital was so great at bringing him back and putting him on his stomach. And we all heard about the fact that it helped his lungs to be able to uh, open up better. But do you see threads of articles with people no. talking about the trauma we experienced? No, and that's one of the, by the way, then there's the article about the donations and $7 million. And yep. why do you think people are donating? Yes. They're donating because it hit their heart and soul and yes. not all in a positive way. Yes. Right. It hit their heart and soul and they and they remember the time they saw something and they have some PTSD about something and they're thinking about their relatives who just died. It yes. got close to them and it wasn't all positive. And yes. the donation is to make that positive, but more than positive, it's to say, I was touched by it. Dr. John, I think you want to build on yeah. that point because Darren was basically feeding into what you were saying. Well, no, look, lay a foundation of what Theo was talking about, right? The level of intensity experienced, whether on the field, in the stadium, outside, you can't say one was worse than the other. And it's difficult to, to measure and assess based on what's around you. We're designed to be communal. So if I'm in a situation alone, my sympathetic nervous system is on fire because I'm not protected, I'm vulnerable, something's gonna happen. If I experience or see something that's not okay, it's gonna land on me real hard. If I got three or four people, I'm still not feeling so great, but it's a little bit better, I feel somewhat protected. If I have my tribe, the reason we're all there doing things together is because I have my system of protection. So somebody in the stadium as a group of a band of, of brothers and sisters who were watching still did have each other. Although there's mixed emotion of how things went, they still were there. They had that moment of like, oh my God. But yet on TV, you're seeing, oh my God, you know, hopefully he's okay. What if he doesn't make it? And a lot of the commentators were all over because they didn't know what to say, but the people at home are like, what's happening? So you don't know what level that goes into someone's system to get that traumatic event to seed somewhere right in the back of the head that may not, the no delete button on the brain, right? So we don't know how hard it went in, how cemented it was and how difficult it was, but I'll tell you something, it went in. Just on this conversation of an eclectic group of people, we all talked about how it went in, how deep it went in from a six-year-old to people who were watching the game who were in their 90s because it was the, the, the team they were rooting for, right? So it's, a, it's, a, it's an overall effect. The flip side is it shows how how bad our community already is in their mental health status of not feeling communal in anything because you saw an opportunity in the snap of a finger 
We had communities coming out to be together. That oxytocin is not just on the field from touching each other. It's like this whole, like no negative stuff. Everybody wearing the same jersey, all the different teams, all the people, the money, every dollar that went in. Darren's, Darren's right. I mean, these people, they, they have their own stuff. And all of us have our own stuff. The only way to jump out of our own stuff is to say, oh my God, we I could be part of something bigger, better. I Whether you don't have that connection you know, Gen Z, there you you the 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 Gen Z's asked about how many close friends they have. It's the first generation that says zero. So loneliness is one of the biggest problems we have in a country, which feeds into the mental health part because you don't have your community. There's a grasp, like a, a deep grasp of air to say, I have to be part of this in a good way. Prayer on television. And I go back to it because. It was just to me when I saw the commentator saying, I take a moment and pray with you people. You won't ever see that because no one knew what to do, but they needed to do something to feel like they were part of a community. Then the donations started slow. And then the 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 jerseys that are worn. Then he comes out of it and how what the reaction were in society. That to me is a positive piece. There's nothing positive about what happened. But to me, I look, if you tell me if there's, if there's a pile of manure that's a hundred feet high, I'm digging for not one pony, but two, because they're going to be in there. So I'm going to find a pony here. And I'm going to say that we saw society turn on itself and its head because they needed this and they they're getting their own help. But um, and going back to Aaron's point, we need mental health experts to be able to point out the fact that when something like this happens, how do we hold a conversation to pivot to make people feel more communal, more involved, more okay with the situation? Safe, safe. Safe, say exactly. Theo, very well said, because safety is the only reason our species still exists, because you have to be safe. We constantly look for it. The tune of our ear for a bad noise, the, to, to, the vision of our eyes to see something that may not be comfortable. Like it's always about safety. And to be safe when you're not okay or alone or see trauma and trauma is built and it's always there. Safety is in community. Safety is in us. Safety is in the message that we're delivering. And safety is in these commentators who can get a little bit better at it, but they did okay. Having some experts come in at the moment in time. Aaron, I, I am like, you know, we tease each other a lot because I love you. But man, that was a that was spot on. And I really hope that somebody from a higher up in every category hears what you said and says, this is like speed dial when you need, he doesn't need to be on the field, but the minute this happens, you should have five experts you can call and say, can you come in and we can talk? That's That would be amazing. What did we have? We had Dr. Jen on last show and she gets brought on to the morning shows. But the interesting thing is she gets brought on to the morning shows and it's like the day after... And it's, you know, about an event that's not an event that's happening right in the moment that could happen in sports like this. And I, I'm trying to end this on the positive note that if you take Aaron's suggestion there and you can, what I tried to write in the blog that I wrote about was this shared concept of trauma that we all experience, even if it was at different levels in each of our own unique ways from the broadcasters to the fans in the stadium, to the fans outside, to the players, that's the glue. The whole idea behind the concept of same here is it doesn't matter what the event is. It matters that we all feel this type of pain. And then, you know, it's obviously rewarding Darren, who like is coming into this from the outside. You know, he just chimes in on his own and goes, people wanted to feel like people were feeling something they had to give money towards something. Right. Like, it wasn't even the funny thing is eric it wasn't even the page of the charity was for a toys for tots thing that he did in 2020 and was so unclear and it wasn't even and it didn't matter it yeah. didn't matter what anyone was no one was checking anything as long as it was going to demar and they knew it was going to demar and it was sent that that did something but, but, for but them. to that point darren that page was a communal place that people could come to to see the ticker go up to do something together. Marry that with Aaron's point right now. If you have a professional on or on speed dial where he or she could be called up and could 
take that seminal moment that Aaron's talking about and say, this is awful what we're experiencing, but this is the most important time for us to feel together in this and to walk each other through this and to feel like a group in this. Those And, and to be able to say things out loud, like those of you who are watching at home by yourself, I'm with you. You're with us on the field. You're with those of us in the stadium. We're all one big group here. That's the message that needed to come out of this where I get upset that the media is still not doing, and I'll, I'll drop my upset thing to say, that's where the opportunity is. And, 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 I, and I hope we learn from this because tr- like life is awesome and there's beautiful things that happen and babies get born and marriages happen and all these things, but life is messy too. And ugly things happen like what just happened with DeMar. And, and as Aaron said, it, it's going to happen more often, sadly. How do we take advantage of these opportunities? And, and I'm, I'm sorry if the, using that term offends anyone, but how do we, knowing that these events are happening, be able to use them to bring us closer together and understand how it's helping us? And I think it takes guides it takes these experts. It takes people like Dr. Rosa explaining it. And then it takes the rest of us with lived experience to say, that's a yes. Darren's saying, when I donate, that makes me feel part of the group. Aaron's saying, when I hold the hand with the players, that makes me feel part of the group. When Theo's saying, when I was alone on the bed by myself, I felt isolated. But when I'm around other people, that makes me feel part of the group. That's what needs to come from this. That's what we need to be the takeaway from. So, but 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 connecting trauma and mental health in this exact moment of time, yes. we missed an, we missed another opportunity. Yes, yes, and that's yeah. look, Theo. That's why we're doing this episode mm-hmm. is to try to like, hey, media, wake up. Hey, broadcasters, wake up. Hey, society, wake up. Like we're gonna keep ringing that bell until it happens, and I think. It's it stinks that it has to happen after the fact now on conversations like this, but let's keep pushing it out there. Aaron, you're a guest, so I'll let you have the last say if there's anything you want to wrap us up here, and then I'll I'll bring us home. Thank you, Eric. I, I think we're all making salient points here. Uh I, I'm a guy that that doesn't want to to fix the blame. I want to fix the problem. And the conversation that we're having here is a step in that direction. I was at the tail end of the era where water made you a wussy. What you need water after practice? Turns out water's a pretty important performance enhancer. <laughs> so football is a sport that has been really slow to adopt some basic necessities. My hope is, and what I'm encouraged, is this conversation and the extensions of others out there that are doing what we're doing that we bring attention between the connection of trauma and mental health, which is just another form of health and how it affects all of us. It's a, a spectrum that to varying degrees, whether we were in that huddle and watching CPR be administered or up in the mountains watching a television with my six-year-old, we all had some version, some level of an experience that was negative. From that, and, and my hope is, with my own network and with others that we have a card or a full screen that points people in directions to go and things that they can do to Theo's point that in the moment can, can mitigate some of the negative consequences. We all see the collars that the NFL players are wearing. Those are concussion collars because when you get a concussion, it restricts some of the blood that goes to the brain or holds some of it up there so that the damage is less. So it doesn't mean it's going to prevent you from getting a concussion. It doesn't mean that you might not have adverse effects, but there are incremental steps that you can make to lessen the inevitability of the trauma that we see when we're watching TVs and living in a world of images and impressions. So I'm I'm encouraged by where we're at. I appreciate you guys. We're all advocates in our own ways. And man, what if the whole world worked like this, where we came together and were inspired to be able to help one another and be freaking good teammates in our communities, in our own houses, nationally, around the world. Like, to me, that's the way that sports has always led. And thank goodness this story seems to be on its way to have a happy ending for DeMar Hamlin, his teammates, and his families. But that's what I love about this game and the the sports in and of itself. It's an invitation to do things differently. And because of that, I'm encouraged. That is why he is the great orator. 
That is why. And, and I just want the audience to know that Eric's the only one that chose not to wear sleeves for this, <laughs> the recording of this. And that yeah. in and of itself is its own level of trauma that I think we're going to have to have a separate call to discuss. <laughs> I, I, I will reveal for everyone that I have seen Aaron and Dr. Rosa pictures in their younger days of wearing speedos so if you want to talk oh, about that was totally unfair come on man there, there that's is totally unfair just because i was better looking than aaron was that you don't have to bring it up oh man telly savalas had nothing on you Dr. <laughs> <laughs> well you can tell the the camaraderie that exists here and to aaron's point i hope that this continues to bring people together more and more this is fun I mean, I, I hate to say there was fun off of something that was so difficult for a family and a society to live through, but to come together and to feel like this is a place of healing, this was an important conversation for us all to have. And I hope everyone who listened feels some sense of healing themselves. So on behalf of our guests for this show, Aaron Taylor and Dr. John Rosa, Theo Fleury, and Darren Revelle, this is Eric Hewson, and you listen to another episode of We're All a Little Crazy, brought to you by the hashtag Same Here Global Mental Health Movement. See you next week. <laughs>